0: Hi, my name is Steve Taylor, and welcome to our brand new podcast called Share Ed, created by Robin Hood Multi-Academy Trust. In this episode, we've decided to focus on coaching and have invited none other than Jane Creasy to join us. Jane's worked as a secondary head teacher in the past. She's been a central part of the National College where she works with Steve Mumby. She's a national and international facilitator She's hosted the Inspiring Leaders National Conference and she's played a key role in helping regions of Norway implement their curriculum. In short, for those of you who want to know about coaching, Jane Creasy is the go-to person and we're delighted to welcome her to the podcast. So Jane, welcome to ShareEd. It's an honour to have you on the programme. Today we're focusing on coaching conversations specifically and for those people who are listening who haven't come across you before we first met didn't we at a mat um, leadership program which was quite heavily geared around putting people into coaching groups and helping them overcome their own their own problems and barriers to learning and it's been so valuable that that was three years ago now and we're still working together in those groups because ultimately Coaching has pushed us forward in our thinking and helps us with some solutions. Yeah. Welcome.
1: Yes. But, I mean, that's where we met. And it's been really interesting, actually, that um, your group, which is a very mixed group, a very mixed group of people, um, but you have found the way to um, develop a deep level of trust with one another so that each of you brings authentic challenges and all of you really practice working at coaching the person who's bringing the challenge to get them to find a solution yeah it's been great great doing that
0: i think one of the other benefits that is sometimes when you meet people i'm guilty that in the initial stages of meeting them you might form a judgment quite quickly Mm. and our group are quite a diverse group aren't we in, in terms of yes, and also our approaches to how we lead that in itself brings a lot of strength because no one really thinks the same in the group do they
1: yeah you're very different i would say um but the thing about each of you is that you um you are finding things in other people's approach that you can learn from Each of you do that. And I think that's been the thing which has helped you all think, oh, this is actually worthwhile.
0: Yeah. And so I was already into, I already believed in the power of coaching before I went on this course. But what it's really opened my mind to are, you know, wider coaching conversations, wider group discussions, Mm -hmm. and the power of that. So, what really led you to get into coaching then, Jane? Well, my
1: initial introduction to coaching was really the, the more fo- the traditional form of coaching, which is one-to-one. Um, and the, the learning sets that we work in, Steve, is group coaching, which I think is exceptionally powerful and very useful in schools. But on the one-to-one level, um, in my first deputy headship, actually, I was appointed, you know, I was really quite young when I got the job. I I was the curriculum deputy. I was, you know, really pleased to have the job and I loved it. And I was very lucky with the head I had. He was extremely influential and he um, set aside time for one to one uh, learning conversations, coaching conversations with me and the assistant head and also with heads of faculty. and and got me to do the same. And that was where I I began to experience being coached. But um, the real light bulb moment actually came through a very painful experience when the head of modern languages at the time, um, in my first term, uh, gave me a complete dressing down one day after a heads of faculty meeting which I thought had gone really really well um, uh, and told me I wasn't making use of the heads of faculty as I should and um, there were all sorts of things that I was doing wrong and um, while I was very polite to her at the time and said oh thank you very much yes that's given me something to think about Um, I was of course incredibly upset and I went grizzling to the to the head teacher well I didn't think I would but then I uh, burst into tears when I spoke to him um and said Luca you know I'm obviously doing this all wrong I'm not you know and I've upset this person and um she's given me a dressing down and and um, and he put me in my place very firmly and said "Now look Stop awfulizing. Uh, that's not the question at all, Um, she went for the job, she didn't get it, she's just jealous, da-da-da, go away, Um, sort of thing, Um, and I did go away, and I thought, well, he has a point, I do think there is an issue there, because that person's very talented and she didn't get the job, but on the other hand, she had a point as well. The other heads of faculty may have been fine about what I was doing and how we were working together, but I hadn't taken into account where she was coming from, what she could offer, and what she needed to be able to thrive and move on. It just hadn't occurred to me. It hadn't occurred to me. And it was like a blinding revelation. Just in that one day, it was one of the most powerful experiences of my professional career. That one day I realized that my job, I wasn't there to be a success myself. Yeah. I was there to make sure that others could be successful. Yeah. Um and it just changed. It changed everything for me.
0: So you were there, the light bulb clicks and you see yourself now as the person who's got to be an enabler. Yeah. And that leads itself, doesn't it, to coaching conversations. Because when I think about leadership and the pressure, uh, and also when we are at the start of our leadership journeys, or we're entering a phase where things are exceptionally busy, I mean, we're talking now in the middle of lockdown, Gavin Williamson is just about to announce. Oh, yes. He's going to go back. Now, I would imagine that's going, to incre- that's going to include huge amounts of risk assessments and all of these things that yes. we're going to have to look at putting in. The, the easy thing to do there with leadership is to simply um, start directing because it's the quickest solution and it's outcome-driven. And when we're thinking about a lot of leadership now, because – society rewards outcomes and the education system rewards outcomes i do think that maybe we've lost the art of spending a little bit of time slowing down and coaching people through situations because we're just moving to trying to find the answers because we're ticking off things to get through as much of a volume of work as we can because there's so much work coming yeah accurate Uh
1: Yes, and I think it's this, this focus on we've got to do. I mean, um, you've said it, we're outcomes-driven, we're achievement-oriented. By and large, teachers are achievement-oriented and people who get into leadership roles are achievement-oriented and they feel that this has got to be done. Um, and so we get into doing mode, just like you've no. talked about. Um, now, there are times when you have got to do I mean, there's a few weeks left of this summer term, and by September you're supposed to be up and running with all pupils or students back in school. Of course, you are going to be doing. But if if leaders are always in that mode, they're always going to be like Wallace and Gromit on the front of the train when they're just putting down the the pieces of the train track as the train goes. They never ever get to the point. Of thinking about and really being able to work on helping people to grow and um, developing learning organizations, actually, which is what schools are um, and should be. Uh, So it is really hard uh, in these days, it is really hard. But it is possible if you, um, <clears throat> if you think about um, what your real purpose is, and that is to help other people succeed, to help others grow, to, to create the time for thinking, reflecting
0: on the work we do. So if if schools are wanting to bring in more of a coaching culture, I mean, they're, they're, if we simplify it right down and say, there are two different approaches. I mean, there's many, many more, but we're gonna just go really simplistic. The first one is the one we'll describe briefly now, which is around the group that we work with, which is classed as a learning set, isn't it?
1: <coughs> yes, it is.
0: Now that is, for those people listening, that's where you might have about four, four people generally, isn't it, Jay? Not many. Yeah, members.
1: four to six.
0: Okay, four to, four to six.
1: I think six is a bit heavy myself, but.
0: Okay. You, so you bring we all bring an issue we generally spend broadly a day mm. we go through each person's issue and that lasts for around about an hour and in that hour you coach through the issue and that's you play the facilitator role for us don't you
1: yes yeah well i think um the more senior you are the kind of more strategic the issue um longer you're likely to take on it it can be done in less time than that and if you were working within a school um i think you could get groups of people together and take half an hour for an issue and and then you're done in two hours or two and a half hours you you could do that
0: i mean uh, Um, our our meetings like i mean we we schedule ours. it's once a term isn't it so it's three times yes
1: that's what we have done
0: yeah it's not what
1: we have done
0: it's not been overly um Burdensome in terms of time, but what it does do is it sets out a period when I know I'm going to be having a day, a period of time away from actioning stuff to thinking about how I'm operating and being questioned on that. That's really yeah. powerful.
1: Yeah, and I think um, the 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 keys are um, one is that you need to bring a, a really genuine issue yeah. something that your brain goes to even when you don't want it to uh, something that you're grappling with something that's got complexity in it um, and something that is important to you you want to make progress on this issue that is a key principle second key principle is that um, th- the other people in the group are not there to give you answers they are there to help you think through your challenge make greater sense of it um, uh, and make progress with it um, in how you're thinking and hopefully move to action and if they're going to do that if they're not there to give you answers they're not there to say well in our school we do in our mat we do i found that this worked then they have to find other ways of having that conversation with you, and that requires coaching approaches. Yeah. So, in other words, they have to listen really, really deeply.
2: Yeah,
1: and they have to use questions which, um, obviously will help you tell the narrative, will help you describe. But then use questions which help you analyse, which might challenge you, which help you look at different perspectives. In other words, what those questions should be doing is developing your deeper awareness of the issue. An awareness of what other people might see, an awareness of the impact of what you're doing or not doing. An awareness of the bits of the issue you haven't thought about. So that you can then take responsibility for the issue. When the learning sets were first kind of devised by a chap called Reg Revens, he was working with managers in the mining industry in this country. And um, uh, they found that they they wanted to develop some learning for these managers, it was leadership learning for them. But actually the managers would often come to that leadership learning really preoccupied with what they were having to deal with back at base. And he found this way of having learning sets which um, did all sorts of things. They helped people get to a deeper learning about themselves and their situation and they helped them deal with problems back at base. And they developed their coaching skills so that when they were working back in their own settings, they were working with their colleagues differently. They were helping their colleagues take responsibility for their challenges. Um, So that's the principle. And it works really well around um, issues that John Whitmore identified with coaching, awareness and responsibility learning conversations that help people develop awareness and responsibility, a sense of agency, being yeah. able to, to do something.
0: I mean, I, I've got to say, I, um, I always look forward to those, those sessions. Even hearing you describe it now, you know, I've got a yearning. We've, we've been doing a few of ours over Zoom, haven't we? It's, yes. It's not the same. When, no. we, when we sit around in person, I, I think that, it's really opened my, 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 my eyes to a number of things. Firstly, the group that we work with are incredibly good at reflecting back body language and verbal language that, we, that I use when I'm talking about the issue. And a couple of times I've brought things, I've got my own narrative and story on this issue which is obviously heavily weighted in my favor a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then when the group started to unpick, some of the things that have come out for me have been that actually I've been looking at it in too much of a blinkered way. And in mm-hmm. some cases, I have dropped my leadership uh, standards for how I should be operating. I've got caught up into too, too much of a battle and too much of a narrative. And they've helped me overcome that by reflecting it back and by helping me see how I'm operating from different perspectives. Now, if we wouldn't have done that in that group, I don't know where I would have got that feedback. No. It would have been harder to get it from someone else. Yeah. We know and, and
1: It's a key coaching skill that um, is reflecting back. Um, uh, I often talk about coaching being showing the mirror enabling people to look in the mirror uh, about themselves, about their situation and see it from different angles as well. And we, we, we can do that as leaders yes. with, with one another and with colleagues, we can play back to people. This is what you just said. Yeah. What, what does that tell you?
0: It's not a um, default mode though, is it? And,
1: it, it isn't,
0: no. Quite, no we, I wish you, you know, I need to work harder at that.
1: But but it's something that you can develop. It's one of those yeah. things. It's, you know, coaching is like swimming. You can't do it just by talking about it. You've got to get in the pool and actually have a go. Yeah. And um, the more you um, engage in that kind of conversation where you take the responsibility off yourself, you you put yourself into the mode that your responsibility is to support the other person, enable, empower um, the other person to grow, learn, deal with challenges. Um, The more you practice that, the more able you are to do it and the more naturally it comes.
0: Yeah, I'm getting out of this mindset that we've got to give people the answers because sometimes giving people the answers is the most damaging thing you can do professionally to them, isn't it?
1: yes yeah uh, and it it is because that you know they um i mean sometimes we're in situations where it, it, you've got to give them an answer, and you know particularly now we've got to make complicated decisions about how to handle children coming back into school and so on, yeah. but um very often it is because you know yourself that you you perform at your best a when the person that you're working for you think they approve of you yeah. you think they value what you do yeah and you get you get signs of that and and that helps you to flourish you want to you want to do that more and b when you are able to work authentically when you are able to be yourself So if you and I were working, and I was struggling with something, and you told me what to do, in but your approach to it didn't sit comfortably with me, and I go away and say, "Well, Steve thinks I should do this," so I'll try and do it like Steve would do it. Yeah, I'd probably fail. Absolutely. Because I wouldn't be doing it my way. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to be authentic. Now it may be there's a meeting in the middle. I might want to do something completely off the wall and you've got to try and help bring me back from that. Yeah. But your task would be, how can I bring Jane back from that and help her to do this in a way that's authentic for her?
0: And that leads us into when, when you were talking around that job of reflecting back, we're talking there about that works when you've got psychological safety Yes, You know, there's trust with the other person. You know that they're not there to, they're there to help you. They're not there to judge you. Yeah. And so with our group, we've got psychological safety. And as a result, we are all vulnerable. And that lets us get to the bottom of our issues. And it also means that people will reflect back. We will reflect back to each other. Things that are actually quite uncomfortable to hear at times. Yes. You didn't know that the person reflecting it back to you has your best interests at heart. Yes. And doesn't have an axe to grind. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So, how do we enable that in schools? Because clearly, what the learning set has taught me more than anything is trust is key, and the right people, coaching, and how people are linked up matters so much because there are other learning sets from that course who don't meet anymore. Yeah. Now that's, yes. they didn't find, no, that's not to say they didn't find it valuable, but clearly they, it didn't have the impact on them that it's had on us. And I wonder if that's to do with the makeup of their group all this sort of thing, you know?
1: Yes. Um, so um, you talked about the right people. Let's, let's think about doing this in school. And you talked about the psychological safety and the trust. And that is absolutely right. I would say there's a kind of combination of things that are required of leaders wanting to work in a coaching mode. And the first is that absolute commitment to the success of the other person. Yeah. So remove from yourself the responsibility to, we've got to make this successful because, you know, Ofsted's coming in, the, the accountability measures, whatever. And and instead, take on that mantle of that. My role is to help this other person succeed, and and help them succeed authentically. The second is, um, uh, what you've said about um, uh, kind of clearing your mind, if you like, being there for the other person. So um, having the skills to focus. Uh, concentrate listen and then ask questions and and the questioning skill is something that can be practiced and developed don't expect to be able to ask the perfect question when you first start but that's something that that comes and can be developed
0: so you're talking there about being present in the moment when you're coaching someone and that uh, I I think sometimes that feels like a luxury because we are in a society that distracts us all the time. As we're speaking now, you know, my calendar just notified me that I've got about four things um, coming up today. You know, we're constantly getting pings from our phone, uh, vibrations, all this sort of stuff. And to actually sit with someone or, or stand and have a coaching conversation where you're listening and you are present without being distracted. That that takes a that takes a, a conscious effort, but it's also a beautiful thing if you make it happen because you are, yeah. open, <laughs> open, aren't you? You know, we're losing yeah. ability a little bit at the moment. I think. Yeah. To,
1: yeah. To
0: build that in.
1: I mean, the term you just used, being present, is exactly the term Peter Senge used, and it's right. It's to be present to be present in the moment and to put aside the concerns that you've got in your head and instead to let come, let arrive the things that, um, if it's a group, you know, other people are saying, if it's one person, the other person is saying. Um, And it does feel like a luxury, Steve. And I'm as guilty of it as any. You know, I was on a WhatsApp call with friends yesterday and I I started the WhatsApp call with my rubber gloves on, washing up. And one of them commented on it. (laughs) I said, okay, I'm going to put it away. I'll leave the washing up and I'll go. So I'm guilty of it. The truth of it is, it actually isn't a luxury. It's not a luxury at all. Because you will get more out of that short, really focused conversation where you've turned the phone onto silent. You've put it away. You've not got the calendar things coming up in your mind. But where you really are present you will get more out of that short conversation than you would out of three conversations with that same person where you were distracted in each of them. So it's not a luxury. It is actually about giving yourself time rather than taking time.
0: Wow. And that's, that actually, that's a great mantra for life, not just for coaching, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I was, I, I was driving into work today, and I was listening to a really to a good podcast, and it was around um, working um, shorter hours but with higher rates of productivity.
1: Yeah,
0: and the guy who was talking, who's a neuroscientist, was saying, actually, it's it's so important that we turn off these outside distractions that we have periods of deep, intense focus but then we also build in short periods where we step away from that intense focus. Yeah. Maybe do something else that takes our attention and then allows our brain to process in the background.
1: Yes, that's right. That's
0: right. Of course, what I'm describing there doesn't work for your average teacher because you can't step out of, but I'm talking about outside of the classroom, you know, before and after school, those sorts of elements. It is important. That we, as you said, you know, you, you could do three conversations. If you're not present with them, it's not as powerful as doing one short conversation. No,
1: you, it you know. With
0: Our work doesn't it? If we're yeah, present and, and we're working deeply.
1: Yes, and if and you'd be going back and and repeating the thing and going over the same old ground and because actually you you didn't do it properly the first time.
0: Um. So if we, want to, if we want to give some guidance for people who are, who are thinking about starting to put coaching, make it more prevalent in their school, or they want to engage with someone to help them, um, to coach them and things, what would be good starting points for them, do you think, Jane?
1: Uh, well, um, as it happens, when I was at the National College, I worked with a chap called Fred Patterson, and we wrote um, a sort of book called leading coaching in schools okay and we um we we did a lot of work with john whitmore who um came up with the grow model of coaching which i think works really well um and we came up with some principles and some action steps and the first of those action steps is start with yourself if you want to change the system start with yourself and that is um find out about coaching um you know there's a you can read a very simple book coaching for performance john whitmore it's easy you could um you can google you know you you can find out but but get a sense of but more importantly um start thinking about your own behaviors yeah the ways in which you are engaging in learning conversations with other people in the school yeah. or not, and what you might do to um, increase the proportion of conversations which become learning conversations, how you might just
2: okay. improve
1: like the quality of some of your interactions with people, uh, how you can um, help make yourself be present, how you can dedicate time and so on. So that was the first thing that we came up with in the action implications.
2: No.
1: Uh, we came up with others, which was um, identify um, uh, people who might also come on the coaching journey with you yeah. and be want to learn about coaching, want to practice and so on. Uh, we talked about setting up systems if um, you're going to have say the learning sets approach because that's a more time efficient way of working then you have to do some preparation for that you have to get people in in place and so on but you also have to um, dedicate time you have to safeguard time for it that may feel like, a you know, too much of a luxury yeah,
0: now. I think, I think that's great because it, the start of that is really achievable. I mean, everyone can go and buy a book or Google or watch a YouTube. I'm sure there's some good YouTube videos out there. That's, the, you know, your first point. Great. Second point, become self-aware. Now, mm-hmm. that is just powerful, full stop. You know, as we're having this conversation, it's made me think, okay, this – Today and for the rest of this week, I'm going to really consciously be more self-aware in terms of the conversations I'm, I'm having. The next one is you write, you know, you target the right people. So you make sure that you're coaching conversations with the right people who are in a position to work with you. And then, and then the last one is thinking more systems-based you know, it's a graduated response, isn't it? The more you um, work through the others, you'll start to understand how a system can work around your school.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we did the, the, the one thing I didn't say about starting with yourself is yeah. Um, if you want to work, you should be coached. If you want to work as a coach, you should have a coach. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about yourself, you can learn more about yourself by getting someone to coach you. And that doesn't have to be some expensive guru from somewhere else.
0: No. You know,
1: you can ask somebody and say, would you spend, would you spare me 20 minutes yeah. once a week, once a fortnight? To, so I can talk through my work. Um, so be hungry for that. Be hungry for the challenge of having a, a true learning conversation. That, that is there. You start with yourself in a sense.
0: I um, know I love that approach because it's about well, it's about self-improvement and deep down to your core understanding what makes you tick, and basically, basically becoming a better version of yourself, isn't it?
1: It is. If you think about coaching, is about helping people to be the very best they can be.
0: Yeah.
2: Then,
1: then, um, then trying to be better for yourself in the sense that you're trying to be better feels good for the for the responsibility you're there for which is to help other people succeed so
2: which ties in um, with strong if you're going to
1: spread if you going to spread coaching if you want to develop them the argument that that Fred and I made was that coaching should be something that goes through the school that spirals through the school all okay. the way uh at, at all sorts of levels in the school and if you want to do that then actually you've got to equip staff with coaching skills and a sense of the power of being coached or being in a learning set that you and I are involved in and, and the sense of how they can actively develop their own questioning and listening skills.
0: So we need leaders there to be strategic in terms of how they're mapping out, you know, If you're going to do it properly, you're going to have to look at the school and look at how you're going to put a structure in place to make sure everyone benefits from it. It's going to be a far better way of introducing coaching. You'll get a lot of people having incidental conversations and and coaching. But if you really want to change the culture, you've got to look at it in a systematic way.
1: Absolutely. That was that was our uh, principle, our action implication number two, actually, which is make sense of the whole, you know, you've got to look at it strategically. And um, if you are in a leadership role in a school, you ought to be able to have a one-to-one conversation or a learning set regularly about your work and your challenges and how you are doing. There should, that should be an entitlement, really.
2: Yeah,
1: um, in a secondary school, it might be easier than in a primary school. But certainly, you know, one of the things I learned from that first deputy headship was... Uh, When I was a head, every senior leader, every head of faculty, every head of year had a one-to-one with either deputy or assistant head or me every fortnight. Uh, It was a decent length Um, Mm one-to-one. And it was incredibly important. Yeah. So you do have to look at it strategically as a leader. Do
0: you know, sometimes a really well-placed question, I remember I was... I was aiming to become a senior leader in a school when I was younger in my career, so I was constantly going knocking on the head's door and asking if I could go on courses and whatnot. <laughs> and he was—he um, was a great guy. He's, unfortunately, he's passed away now. He's a great guy, but if you got sometimes he would be, um, sometimes he would be quite volatile in his responses. So I knocked on his door once and said, "Can I go on this? Can I go on this course?" And he said to me. It's about 1,500 quid. He said, so just tell me, you come in and knock on my door for these courses all the time. When was the last time you offered to help me with anything? Oh. Was the last time that you checked in with me, and when was the last time you asked me if I needed anything? Mm. And I stood there. I was, I was sort of quite shocked <laughs> at the time
2: because <laughs> I was
0: younger, naive, and I thought, I said, well, I don't. And he yeah. said, just have a think about that. So I went away and I thought, and I thought, I don't ever do that. I'm on, I'm on the take, I'm not on the give. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: He also showed a sense of vulnerability in his question because clearly he, at the top of the tree, he needed someone to check in with him occasionally.
2: Yes. It made a real
0: impact on me because from then on in, I made a conscious point of every couple of weeks knocking his door and asking if there was anything he needed a hand with, not in a not in a groveling way, but just genuinely knocking his door. And you know what? From then, that was like my light bulb moment. That was a catalyst. Yes. Now that was because essentially he reflected back to me and he, he, he did it in, it was, it was a little bit of threatening, but he did it in a sort of coaching way. He asked me the question and he just left it hanging there. Yes. And the only way I could come to a conclusion was I don't do it. And, uh, and i got to put my ideas up. Yes. But, uh um, yeah.
1: And in so, fact, in that he helped, he helped you see, you know, one one that you were on the take, and that you were, but also that you were looking at um, career progress in a very, very narrow way. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. that actually, moving into leadership is is about giving; it's not about just being.
0: So, well. I was so naive then. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I've moved on just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's a smidgen. So I think Jane, um, there's a couple of things. If you can give us some top tips for for people who are entering into coaching, you've given us that 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 great starting point. But three really um, top tips that people can use. What would you What would you be saying to people to to help them get into coaching and uh, and think a little bit more?
1: Well, I think. Well, I, I suppose we've covered the, most of them in, in a way. The, the one is to start with yourself and to, to say, um, have, I got, have I got the mindset where I am committed to the success of other people? Okay. Let's take that as a given. You are. Yeah. Well, if you are, then how do you develop the skills which you need to be able to do that. Um, One is focus, be present. Two, really listen, and the focus will help you to do that. And three, ask questions, which are, they're, they're questions which help people build and deepen their own thinking. They're not questions which give answers, they're not questions which criticize they're questions which offer something generative. So deepen how you, how you question. Um, self-awareness,
0: you were, Jane, is in terms of we've talked in the past about keeping a journal. Yeah. Um,
1: well, um, in terms of, yeah, we have talked in, and I think you did, didn't you? When you were. Um, yeah, I,
0: mean, I, I still, I, I still do. And the more I'm listening to others, uh, I'm reading books now. People often refer to it as, um, Downloading your thoughts, you know, yeah. just a process of when your brain's full, every morning making it a habit that so you put for or at the end of the day, spending five yeah. to ten minutes being present to just put down what's happened in the day, and then sometimes when you read back at a later date, you get an understanding of what mindset you're in, but also you get to really see what's coming out. You know, it doesn't have to be massively structured. It just can be, how's your day gone? What issues have you had?
1: It's one of the things that, that um, if it was, um, if I was giving top tips to a new head, I would definitely say that. And I wish that I'd been into journal keeping when I took on my headship, because in the first year, so much happened. If I'd kept a journal, I could have written a cracking book at the end of it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but
1: um, it is, I think that reflective practice, just journaling can be a really good reflective practice. Um, the other things that, that I would say, top tip, remember what I said before the, that, that your success um, is really dependent on the success you enable others to enjoy. Um, the third one I would say is find someone in the school who will give you honest, upward feedback.
2: Yeah. It's
1: very rare we get into our own bubble we might think things are going okay because that's what the deputy is saying and that's what you know certain people in the senior team are saying to one another but you need honest upward feedback and that's it that's if you can find someone to do that i'd just like to add a fourth which is about the thing about trust which takes um ages to build up and a moment to to you know disrupt or destroy Um, there was a big study in America years ago about trust and leaders who had um, developed trust and were therefore able to manage really difficult things and people are able having to manage really difficult things now and that trust depended on a number of things one um, the leader's capability yeah. And very often, their capability was judged by how they dealt with people who were there were not, um, perf- where there were performance issues. Two, their respect for other people, their professional respect for the contributions that other people were making. Three, their personal regard for other people, how they were able to show interest. Yeah. in the other human beings they were working with and genuine interest and for their personal integrity yeah. so if you really want to be able to coach bringing your own integrity and authenticity is is critical
0: absolutely and I think that's a good place to, to draw the that element of coaching and, and the discussion to place I mean it's been absolutely amazing to get your insight if we want to know a little bit more about you, Jane, me yeah. one of the features of this podcast is we want to know someone who's impacted on you in your life and got you to where you are now. Who who would you be picking for that person?
1: Um, well, I mean, I, the, there's a couple of people. Um, one is that head I referred to, but actually, I'm going to talk about my dad. Yeah,
2: um,
1: and my father um, uh, was. Just an amazing role model to me in all sorts of ways. Um, he um, came up from Wales um, from very impoverished circumstances and made a success in London. Um, but he had what I've just been talking about was he was a very moral person and had a huge integrity. Which was evident when you met people from his world um, and friends and so on, but as absolutely in evident in everything that he did with me, and um, drilling into all three of us, there were three of us children. There were things like um, telling the truth, yeah. being, <laughs> telling the truth, yeah. uh, and being truthful, and I was really punished um on an occasion when I did something wrong and it wasn't for the damage that I'd caused in doing the thing wrong it was for trying to lie about it that I was really punished for that so telling the truth um doing the right thing so so you know uh supporting other people helping other people giving away a proportion of anything you had doing putting effort into things and so on yeah um and um just i think sort of having some integrity and there were all sorts of lessons that he he did for us and he stayed with me all through my headship and now actually and i would often be saying what would Dad, do. Obviously, I wanted to make him proud. Um, He lived to see me become a head teacher, but not very long after that. So I was really pleased that he did. But it was the way that he gave us a sense of he talked about public service. He was a public servant himself, and we all went into public service. Although my brother was a lawyer, but he went into um, the court service. And Dad would talk about public service as being an honour, that we were doing something that was very privileged and had great responsibility. And therefore, we had to fulfil the role as well as we possibly could. And I still believe that. I still believe we are public servants and that, that we have a very special role to play in that.
0: Amen. I couldn't agree more with that. What a time it is at the hardest time in our, one of the hardest time in our country's history in most of our times, I think many of us are going to look back on this moment in time with a deep sense of pride because we were there to support and help the country when it needed it the most. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you earn, you can't put a price on that feeling to know that at a time of need, a group of people stepped forward and did nothing more than their very best to try and exactly, help
1: with this. exactly, that, Steve. That is and I crazy. used to say when in heads meeting. I'm sure you're saying it with your colleagues and so on. We need to hold the moral high ground. We need yeah. to do our best. If we can't hold the moral high ground, who can? And and it makes me despair that that we see leaders globally, and maybe not so globally, um, that don't do that. But yeah, and I think you're right. You will look back on this. And it's important that you are able to look back on it with a sense of pride in the service that you've done.
0: Well, uh, yeah, for the whole of education and, and NHS and everything. I mean, I'm, yeah. I think that the biggest thing I always um, think for any leaders when we talk about an artist is can you look yourself in the mirror? You yeah. Know, you, you can have many different, um, we can be judged by many different people. But often, our biggest critics, if we get it right, are ourselves. So morally, can you look yourself in the mirror and say, I did the right thing with the information I had at the right time? Now, yeah. If you do that, that, pa- that passes a big part of the acid test. Yes. You know, it's right yes. Jane, it's been amazing to speak to you. And I always get so much from hearing your thoughts. You, uh, you are a genuinely massive inspiration to me. And uh, I look forward to the time when we're not um, doing our learning sets over Zoom, because that's great, but I look forward to the time when we're all in a room and getting yes. back to the swing of things like before. So thanks yes. so much for your time and, and for taking part in this podcast and giving your insight. It's
1: been a pleasure. It's been great talking to you, Steve. Thanks. Thanks, Jane.
0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast today and the chat with Jane. We hope that it proved useful. If you want to provide us with any feedback or any discussion points for the future, please get in touch with us on Twitter via at Trust and use the hashtag share-ed. As always, this has been a Robinhood Multi-Academy Trust production. We believe at the heart of education lies collaboration. Until next week, catch you later.